Good evening, citizens. Once again, it is your favourite former captain of the Bloody Hands Mercenary Company, Desai Ban Shattersong, and it is a wonderful new year. It's not 2020, it's not 2022, but it's 2023, third one in the series. So we'll see how this goes. We've had some pretty spicy events. Well, in both of those previous seasons, especially with uh, the surprise entry of uh, celebrity guest Andrew Tate trying to take the most uh, disliked person award for uh, the end of 2022. With so many other contenders in the race, it really was quite entertaining to watch. But anyway, of course, I wouldn't know that. I live in a fantasy world and I say live very loosely because I'm trapped in the labyrinth making this podcast. But as usual, with all of the uh, <laughs> with all of the time I have on my hands, I thought about something that could really help you. Certainly something that helped me. And these are some mini business ideas to maybe engage with, see what you like, see what you don't like. But most importantly, make yourself a bit of coin. Now, whether you're making yourself a few rings to buy a pint, a few crowns to perhaps build some enchanted armour, or a few thrones to start bankrolling some political projects, it's up to you how much you want to make, lose, spend, save, and otherwise. But the hardest part is always thinking of what to do. There's lots of people on the field of Anvil. There's lots of competition. But at the same time, there's even more customers. And there will always be somebody who wants to buy your stuff. Or service, or otherwise. It's just a case of finding them. But before we get into any kind of uh, strategy, let's actually go through a couple of ideas. Some are really common. Some are less common and some I've entirely made up. So the first one, the most valuable part of the anvil economy is cake. Muffins, brownies, flapjacks, sweetbreads, shortbreads, and every other sweet treat in between. All of these goes down a treat. And that is a deliberate pun because these kind of treats sell in droves. If uh, any of you listeners have children who you bring to Anvil, or indeed know some children, children, goodness me, some children who go to Anvil, then they make the most aggressive but also effective cake sellers on the entire field. Whilst the price of a, a brownie can you know, be five rings or so, and maybe maybe three for a small uh, shortbread, for example, a finger-sized one. I often see children bartering their way up to at least 10 rings for, let's be real, something that might be worth five. And it is, of course, their ambition that drives this. And as a supplier of such cakes, and if you choose to use those children as your sales team, then I can assure you that the results they will generate will be better than any other team of Anvil heroes, no matter how large or strong they may be. Now. I'm not going to teach you to suck eggs. You know, <laughs> you can you learn how to bake if you don't bake already. Um, lots of stuff on YouTube. I, I'd say almost everything goes down well. The more niche, perhaps the more popular it would be, because every single thorn walking past, uh, you know, the entirety of Navarre has seen all the different uh, cakes and cookies on stands, for example, or being sold by travelling merchants. But the more unusual things will attract your eye. Um, one such example was I've seen some sugar mana crystals in play. Uh, these are like a very almost dried out jelly, very crunchy um, and very vibrant colours. Little sugar burst for the day, but also they look like magical little stones and they are very, very cool. Um, something like that would attract someone's attention. Um, if you had you know, cookies cut out in the shape of uh, or maybe iced with a thorns motif, for example, or shaped like a Navari dagger, uh, that kind of thing. It can give you the edge over your, um, let's say, more standard, more international affair. But anyway, cake is cake. And what better to go with it than a beer? 
or a cider or a flagon of mead. Now this is the next most common business, uh, that's, let's call them what they are, they are businesses uh, in Anvil. Uh, people brewing beers, wines, meads, ales, ciders, everything in between. Uh, lots of people make their own gins and other spirits as well. And there are a plethora of them available. Anybody with a tankard gracing Anvil's Field, who drinks, of course, will... Um, I would be surprised if you didn't have three to five different fluids in that tankard all weekend. And no, stop giggling, that's not naughty. I meant drinks. Making your own, I have no experience with. However, a lot of people do. Top tip, as always, is if you know someone can do something, ask them how they did it. And nine out of ten times, they'll be happy to help you. After all, laughers are a particularly nice bunch overall. The I would say the meads are the most popular. You don't see too many beers, it must be said. Um, ales, I'd say I see a lot more ales, but it's typically meads and also ciders as well. Very popular, very drinkable. And even if you don't want to sell these yourself, you can actually go and sell them in bulk to a bar. Perhaps hit up the uh, the OC owner on Facebook if you know them, or ask in, uh, ask in the Discord. And you'll be able to hook up with them and see if they want to buy some things. And it might be the really cool case where you, know, you have the first batch, you, they, they try a sample at one event, you refine your own drink, its own flavours, its own history, a culture if you will. And no, that's not a yeast reference either. And you can have a very profitable relationship with a bar, but of course they will take a decent cut, they'll buy it from your bulk, sell it at more, but you haven't got to go through the effort of selling it. This is one of those things where you can't really get children to do it, uh, so so don't do that. But uh, otherwise, I've seen a few travelling ale merchants. Uh, they have a little cart. It's sort of, I think, a standard Sainsbury's or Tesco affair. Uh, just a little thing with wheels and a handle. They wrap, they put a cloth over it or a, a blanket. Dress it up a little bit so it's not obviously you know green plastic roving around. But they leave a couple of the kegs. Uh, that you can get plastic kegs, I think, quite cheaply with a little nozzle on and wrap those in a hessian sack. And then it looks like a very icy person with a very icy set of uh, wheels and booze. And you can sell it as you walk around. Um, you've got to carry it. Well, I say carry it. You've got to uh, you got wheel it around. But if you're willing to put the effort in, you can get more margin. And the bars make a lot of money. If we're... At the start, we talked about rings, crowns, and thrones. If you want to be a big player, bars seem to be the way to do it. Not the only one, mind you, but they seem to pull in some serious cash. All right, then. Let's move on to something a little less common. The first on my list is trinkets. So if you're a deft uh, hand with any kind of crafting, trinkets like uh, sort of threaded beads, necklaces, rings, jewellery, Anything like that can go pretty well. And the reason I say this is that the traders on field uh, who sell for you know, pound sterling, barbarian, uh, they often have a few little trays of trinkets, watches, that kind of stuff. And those seem to go pretty well. And that's for OC cash. Of course, creating these kind of things costs you OC cash, pound sterling, but um, or euros, depending where you're coming from, or even dollars. Or even Aussie dollars. Let's see how far the user base goes. Well, listener base in this case. But regardless, regardless, there's, I think with, I should have said this at the start, I think with any kind of IC selling, there's going to be uh, an out-of-character cost to it. And it entirely depends on you, how much you're willing to spend. After all, you are putting in time, effort, and real money for fake money that only matters four weekends a year. However, that's a very cynical view of it, and a lot of people enjoy it simply for the role-play and interactions it gives them. Um, having done a lot of um, my day job is sales, I've still done a decent amount of selling in character, and I enjoy it. It's a great way to meet people, a conversation opener, and you get some, you know, some, quote, fake money for your troubles, but actually you can start using that towards your other role-play goals. But anyway, back on topic, trinkets. Um, Things like, uh, I 
don't want to be rude about Claire's, but crappy plastic jewelry um, might be a little bit of a market for it. But most people can pick these up in charity shops or just have them lying around in costume boxes. If you want to stand out, so to say, then this is where the handcrafting comes in. So a sort of beads as a necklace or as a bracelet, perhaps um, any kind of weave is weaving the right word. Weaving together a few different coloured threads, for example, to make a coloured bracelet. Um, even small pieces of leather or leather work. Uh, again, these kind of un more unique things, especially if there's some kind of art or different colours to them as, as an accent colour to somebody's costume. They can really catch somebody's eye. And a lot of the time, the, uh, the rings that you can find with traders are sort of pewter-made ones. And as far as I'm aware, although don't quote me directly on this, um, working with pewter is one of the, well, compared to working with other metals, is a little bit easier because you can, I think, if you make your own little furnace at home, you can melt it down. Making molds for it isn't too hard. However, when we're talking about molds and furnacing, this is probably on the hard skill level of things rather than the easy business ideas. But fundamentally, making any kind of trinkets and jewellery can have a good market. In terms of selling it, um... I think broadly the best way would be to have, uh, again, a traveling salesperson, have a tray of your goods, perhaps, uh, you know, those cushions with little slashes in them where you, know, you go into any jewelry shop, you see them displayed. Having your produce, your, you know, your cake, your beers, trinkets in this case, on display is a lovely visual way to catch someone's attention. And then, of course, start the conversation and hopefully close a deal entirely up to you on how expensive those become uh, for my some of my armor crafting I've gone and bought a cheap bag of wooden beads of a few different colors threaded them on just to make the armor look a bit you know more unique I thought nothing else of it but I had a few people come and ask me about those beads and whether they came with the armor or not I ended up making a couple of them for friends and then more people asked so in the end I ended up just making half-strung beads so tied at one end loose at the other and i brought a um, a leather punch with me to anvil so if people wanted to put it on their armor they could punch a hole and tie it through and add those kind of accents to it very odd didn't expect that to happen but hey ho here we are on the topic of making things let's shift from the oc to the icy part and this i'm going to talk about the artisans so we talked earlier about the uh, the crowns are pretty good for getting magic items. I'd say you're... Ooh, crikey. Um, depends what kind of item you're going for. Some of the top tier ones are... So 45 resources, so 45 crowns. That's a decent chunk of thrones. But then again, a enchanted blade, uh, some, especially some of the lower level ones, can only be a handful of crowns, maybe up to 10. And those are really cool items to have if you're a combat character. And there's also a decent bunch of them for physics, mages, and for priests as well. And what you can do is if you take the artisan skill, uh, you know how to make them. And all you need to do is go and acquire said resources uh, that you need to make it. You, you get a recipe, and uh, you can look up all the recipes for all the magic items uh, on the wiki. But you, you can only learn to make uh, a minimum three. And if you spend more XP on it as a character, you can learn to make more. But fundamentally, you can make items, you make those items, and then you can sell them, ideally, for a profit. And the great thing about that is there's no OC cash involved. All you need to do is go out and talk to people and trade. Let's say my, you know, my, my magic sword takes 10 crowns worth of materials to make. Typically, in your player pack, you'll get 12 crowns worth of resources. Unless you take uh, business or farm, in which case you get nine, and uh, I think nine, just shy of ten on the dot. Um, you go out, go, go do some trading, make some friends, and at the end of it, you'll have all the resources you need. You submit those resources to make the magic item in downtime, and then you can sell it to a buyer at the next event. And on your journeys, you will almost certainly find somebody who wants to buy that thing off you once you've finished building it. To take that a step further what you can do is actually before you spend your experience you don't have to spend all eight points when you first make your character 
is that you can actually go out and find commissions. Uh, this means essentially someone asking you to make something for them that you don't have yet. Kind of like advanced ordering. So you go find them. Let's say they want a rune plate or something like that. You then go in downtime, spend your XP on making, uh, well, learning how to make a rune plate. You've looked up on the wiki in advance what resources you need. You've acquired those in play. They submit it all at downtime and you can get it built. Then the next event, your customer gets a shiny new rune plate and fingers crossed, you've made some coins as well. Quite often you might find that some, well, wealthy citizens are willing to pay you in advance for it and just give you the money to go buy it. And then off you go and they hope that you will deliver the rune plate next event. Of course, you could always pocket their money, but then that obviously brings a, uh, a clash in your near future, which if that's if that's your type of roleplay, go for it. I think uh, one of the most oft quoted things around Empire Crime is that fraud is not legal, but uh, the repercussions seem to be legal as well. So bear that in mind. All right. Second part around artisans is potions. So this, okay, not for artisans, but uh, for I for IC cash generation um, is apothecary. So rather than making magical items, you make magical potions. And the, the principle is broadly the same. It's a skill you take, you learn how to make certain potions, but rather than individual potions, like a healing potion, uh, a personal mana potion, you actually learn mini books. And I think there's yeah, seven or eight uh, recipe books available to the uh, apothecaries of the empire and each one has about i'd say four to six potions in there and they've all got a strong theme so i think tonics of the quiet forest or the open sky i really should have researched this a little bit more before talking about it but the point being is that some i think one one uh one book is from the great forest orcs and a lot of their potions are around toughness and generating uh, hit points essentially so all of the potions in there have that theme uh, there's another one called the i think it's called the black gate and all of those are lethal poisons uh, virus lunare is in there which is my personal favorite it's uh it takes 30 minutes to take a take effect but in the meantime you will uh, become cold and shiver and be unable to walk or move or talk after 10 minutes, making it much harder to treat because you can't ask for help. By the 30 minute point, you have a seizure and die and resurrect as a husk. Not the best, but a super cool and dangerous potion uh, to drop on somebody. And of course there is an antidote and that antidote is part of that school, well, that, uh, that law book as well. So lots of different potions you can make. Go read them. They're actually really cool. And again, making these potions, you can sell them. Now with, with potions, again, you can walk around Anvil taking commissions, um, selling them um, ad hoc to people. But personally, uh, I don't see anyone doing this yet at the gates too often. Is that you could go to the Sentinel Gate with a, uh, a set of potions on you and the Fizz Reps. Because, uh, well, not unfortunately, but um, necessarily for the game design, you need to have a physical potion on you to sell the potion card. So it, it swaps between players. Or ideally, the player has their own, but they just uh, spontaneously fill and hold on them. But the point being is that you can sell these potions outside the Sentinel Gate, where people will be most likely to need them. The problem with that is that people don't bring cash on a skirmish because if you die we don't want to leave those beautiful throne coins all over the floor of Leafathan. The solution to that is that you sit there with uh, some kind of ticketing or perhaps receipt slip or even a little bit of a notebook and a pen and you can just take IOUs. So someone going for the gate you say look I'll charge you, uh, you know, three crown for this health potion it'll give you an additional two hits for the rest of the day they accept it, you sign one part of a waiver, or a, a wafer if you will, they sign the other, they keep their copy, you keep yours, 
and you take their name and which nation they belong to and you can go and collect later. The really spicy part about this is um, some people will inevitably get a potion and uh, want to not pay you and then it comes to a matter of debt collection where you can pull your friends, your buddies or any local thugs into an agreement where they can get that debt from your erstwhile customer and perhaps skim off a little bit for themselves or even take a form of interest. So there's two parts there, the gate sales and the debt collection as well and I feel like those two would go hand in hand so if you've got a large group certainly worth attempting and even if you're a single player go to the gate if you're a apothecary sell some potions and if somebody doesn't pay up well you could take it to the militia you could take it to uh, if you're winter mark a certain hall or your family or your group or even make an announcement publicly embarrass them you never know there might be some kind of senator and you could curry some political favor by making them look bad after all Empire is a PvP political game, so whilst it does sound a bit, you know, a bit like bullying to do it to someone for no reason, which bear in mind it would be, if a senator hasn't paid up, a certain Rizard Dancewalker, for example, definitely not salty, then perhaps sending some quiet underhand messages to some of his other compatriots but he's not good for the money might prevent him getting his next senate loan. That kind of story. Of course, I'm making up examples and none of these are true or in play at the moment. Well, that's potions. Something else I've seen literally sold in the field is snake oil. Um, it, there's the oft, uh, I guess, colloquial saying of a snake oil salesperson, i.e. they're selling something that's, that's worthless. Uh, anyone who's played a uh, Red Dead Redemption, we'll know the guy in the, in the cart with a top hat and his uh, marvellous tonic. However, this particular player was a literal snake oil salesperson. They had little pots with little rubber snakes inside covered in water or oil and they were selling snake oil. It didn't do anything. It didn't have to do anything. It doesn't need a, a lamy or a potion card to, do, uh, to, to just be mundane fluid. And it genuinely was... Generally, <laughs> with snake oil, um, you could sell a variety of different things with alleged effects. Um, the on this topic of perhaps being a, a dishonest potion salesperson is that you need to hand across the the card as well. Um, if you're going to sell someone a potion, and if you don't hand it across, that will immediately arouse their suspicions. Even though it's an OC element, people will notice that I see and they'll just ask for where's the pot or hmm sniff sniff this doesn't smell right that they'll probably suss you out pretty quickly however if you're selling something that just smells nice like limoncello or lemon flavored water or scented wax in a small ball or e even <laughs> you know, even candles that you say when lit will illuminate the love of your life but only if you hold it in front of a mirror for example, this kind of frank BS, or you can just pedal. And people like me certainly buy it, and I'm sure many others do. And it can be a really interesting roleplay experience to just make some stuff and, and sell it. Um, trying to think of another good example. Oh, a potion of hydration would be a good shout, where it's just a small little pot of water. Selling that for a crown apiece. I, I don't think you could I don't think you would actually struggle to sell some of those. I think people would laugh, giggle, ask how much it is, you say ten rings, they open it, swig it, they feel better, and you go and refill it at the hose. I think that could net you a surprising amount of coins. Beyond snake oil or equivalent sales tactics, uh let's talk about some more political ones and some mobile ones. Uh, the first one here is going to going to be messaging services. So for any of you who've played Empire or are yet to attend, the biggest issue on the field is finding people at certain times. Timekeeping and location keeping, very, very difficult. Trying to find a senator or a cardinal or a general at a certain time is exceptionally hard. 
As a result, people will employ messengers to go and find them and do the searching for them, typically from senator to senator, as, a, as an example. You can make a decent chunk of cash doing this, and especially in the Brass Coast, where every service does have a price tag, even if it's just one ring. People really appreciate these kind of messaging services, especially if they're less able themselves, and it allows them to engage with parts of the game they couldn't realistically do because you can't be in five different places at once. What's more is that as a reliable messenger, you'll often be privy to secrets of the Empire. Some of it will be written down or perhaps encoded and sealed, not for your eyes, but often it's a verbal message. And you know, understanding the communications between generals, senators and members of the Synod, uh, you might piece together some very spicy stories. Well worth it if you've got some swift feet on you and you don't mind enjoying the air of Anvil. Very fun, and whilst I've said it's hard to find people in Anvil, you would be surprised how often they turn up when either you, you're just about to give up or you've given up, um, which is typically about the 20 to 30 minute point uh, in my experience. It's a big place, but at the same time, it's only a couple fields. You'll find them eventually. On the topic of messaging though, a more static variant is a rentable chalkboard. So outside Navarre there is a fantastic um, notice board that's been there the last few events. I think actually most of this year to be honest. And people have pegged flyers to it and the like. And that got me thinking about uh, displaying messages and monetizing that process as well. I think the current notice board is free. However, that's only one location. If you're able to lug a chalkboard uh, to site and put it somewhere useful, well, I'll say useful, uh, let's say prominent, write up some chalk and then if people want to leave a message, you charge them for the size of the writing, perhaps, the whole thing, half the thing, whatever, and then also for a time period, let's say from two until five by the by the hub, uh, you could probably make some decent decent cash from that. The big downside is the board and the chalk and people could wipe it off, but most people aren't dicks at Empire, and they probably won't. I think you can make some seriously good money uh, in any of the trading circles, uh, genuinely communicating messages such as a certain price, asking or selling for certain resources in a certain place. Uh, in the League, publicly displayed insults to other members of, uh, of rivaling families, perhaps. Or even displaying uh, requests for mercenaries or other troops to fill up a skirmish at a certain time. All of these messages that would be very difficult to communicate to 100 people, like, well, as yourself, having 100 conversations, just leave it by, well, anywhere, and see what money you can generate. The final part is linked to the above two, uh, the messaging and the chalkboard. And that would be uh, some kind of scribe service. Writing things down in Empire is very, very cool. Some I've seen some people with inkwells and quills, handwriting letters, uh, especially contracts in the Brass Coast. Very, 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 very cool to have a physical piece of written in-game history in your hands. Love it. Absolutely love it. And again, this process and this service can absolutely be monetized. Running messages between senators, but then also offering to write them as well, perhaps. Or if someone has lost their dearest thorn, their dearest brand, chronicling the final acts of that hero, and then enshrining it in legend could perhaps net you a few coins as well. I think this one's, uh, it depends on you, how much you want to write over the weekend. Uh, you do need to find a stable service for it. Uh, clipboards, I think appropriately dressed could be fine. But it would be, again, a really cool way to make some coins, but also get involved in other people's games and stories, which is, I think, fundamentally what makes Empire so fun. Is there's so much going on, it's all so intricate and detailed, and all of it is rich and 99% player-driven. Very fun and a great way to poke your nose into someone else's business, if I say so myself. The final part I want to talk about in terms of selling is, uh, I've called this hard services, 
And again, this is not a rude innuendo. Uh, this is for, let's say, taking a Levercraft commission. And I think for new players at Empire, this isn't entirely relevant for you. But if you have any hard skills, uh, I know a really cool group called the Iron Hill. Uh, a decent chunk of them are actual OC blacksmiths. So they can bring an anvil to anvil and straighten temp pecs for a ring of pop, for example. Uh, I do levercraft. I've made pieces of armor for people before. Typically, though, for these kind of services, uh, you know, it's 10, 20, 30 hours of work. Uh, often it will be for out-of-character coinage. However, making... Uh, I make pouches, for example, and I sell those in-game for a decent chunk, uh, sort of six crowns a piece, usually. They're nice pouches, they take me about an hour each, but the coinage I'm getting in-game is worth it because I can, you know, go off and have a delightful cake or a decent flagon of beer. And it's up to you if you want to engage those kind of hard services and hard skills that you have, OC, uh, to leverage some of the game I see. Uh, I actually, I've seen a lot of marchers bring us big cook pots and stands, make stews and then serve it to people uh, for, for icy cash. Uh, there's a fantastic Navarre group just outside the, uh, outside the forest who sell packed lunches for five rings. All of these things, again, OC skills, lots of catering or blacksmithing or lever crafting, etc, etc. But they are, they are so cool to interact with and I hope but they generate a lot of cash for those IC users as well, enabling their, well, their political, personal, and heroic goals along the way. Before I jump on to just, just a couple of notes on, I, I would call it selling strategy, um, cheap watches. Timekeep, I've mentioned it already, timekeeping is exceptionally difficult in Anvil. Most people do have watches, but a lot of people don't. Lots of people are always asking what's the time, how long we've got left on the skirmish. Crikey Chris, I can't believe it's 2.30 already, I'm half an hour late for my meeting, that kind of thing. The traders will often have little, um, again I don't, want to, I don't want to smear their product line, but they are cheap little watches and often they give out after one or two events. You, you might need to change the battery or try and get them fixed, but it's, it's difficult. If you want to do that and sell a timepiece, uh, let's say, a, I don't know, a two or three quid thing you find in a charity shop or again in Claire's or, or any other place you'd, you'd buy a watch, right? Those could sell for a significant amount of money. You could dress it up and say it's uh, inlaid with silver with enchanted gems along the side and you could even get it enchanted as an item. Let's say, uh, oh. There are some pieces of jewellery that can be enchanted in Empire. You could get a watch that's enchanted for that, and then try and charge someone three thrones for it. The only limitation here is that the people who have three thrones to sell uh, are often more experienced LARPers and probably have a watch. However, I'm experienced and I don't have a watch that works anymore. My pocket watch gave out because it was a piece of crap. And I've still not still not gotten around to replacing it. And as a result, I'm late for things. And keeping track of the weekend is, is a bit more difficult. So if you can find... I, I, this is, I guess, an open question. If you can find a decent way to get a high volume of watches into Anvil for a low OC cost, then you will become a millionaire. You will be rolling in it. Because those things are so valuable. They're so useful. And even if... Uh, <laughs> if you wanted to take things to an extreme, you can make a time box where it's a it's a, it's a sealed box, and if someone puts a coin in, let's say a one crown piece, uh, a curtain is briefly drawn back on some kind of mechanism that exposes the current time for five seconds, and then it closes. Something like that nailed to a tree would make an absolute killing. Of course, people put you know public uh, clocks up in certain spaces. And you can always just ask someone for their magic mirror, which is their mobile phone. But uh, having an easy, in-character way to access the time is very valuable, and people will pay for it. Alright, final note on strategy. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to bore you with the, uh, the medic or the spin selling methods. Uh, any salespeople listening will hopefully recognise those. Um, it's, it's just a couple of principles that makes selling and business 
um, a lot of fun and something to be aware of um, when you're going into it. Uh, first things first, uh, have, have fun with it. It's very fun to talk to people. It can be intimidating, of course, to talk to new people, strangers at an event. But want, just, just get one under your belt and you will feel awesome. And once you get two or three, you'll be rolling. You'll enjoy the interactions and regardless if you're making money, losing money, whatever, you're going to have a good time. Talking to people makes empire fun and selling is all about talking to people. The second thing is um, don't overdo it. So let's say, let's take the cake making for an example. If I made 500 brownies, I'm not going to sell those in a weekend. I think I might struggle to sell 50 or even 30. Take what you think you can sell and half it because you're not going to be selling all weekend. Inevitably, something cool is going to happen because, come on, it's Empire uh, and you're not going to be able to sell. You're going to be busy on a quest. And then finally, you've got to take into account that other people on the field will compete with you and you might not get every sale you want. Uh, with my pouches, I, I sell two, maybe three per event. Uh, I, I made a batch of 15 expecting them to go and they didn't. Luckily, it's helped with stock for the last few events, but otherwise, yeah, I didn't sell all of them in one go. And if that was a perishable good, then I would have wasted uh, those remaining pouches such as with the case with a uh, cake, for example. The next part is to understand your, your profit loss. So if, if we're talking OC cash, think to yourself, how much is this going to cost me in materials, but also your time to prep it as well. If it takes you five weekends of free time just to brew something up or to make some incredible armor, then just think twice about whether that's going to be worth it for some in-game coins on four weekends a year. Uh, because the, the trade-off might not be the best. Although, if there's a great I, uh, IC reason, let's say the Empress themselves asks you to make some magical armor for them, then that could be pretty damn cool. But, very niche. If you're... I think if, if you're losing money, uh, in terms of, like, let's, we're talking IC here, so... Um, although, am I... Um, Apologies, it's a bit it's a bit hard to quantify because you're you're pretty much always spending OC money to trade it in for IC money. I think the best way to describe it is be happy with the ratio. If I was putting hours into my pouches and only getting a handful of rings for it, it's just not worth it. I'll just I'll make the rings by doing some message running, for example. Um, if I you know if I'm making a few thrones, then great. I'll, I'll make less pouches and be happy with what I've got. Or I can make even more and you know become extremely wealthy. But you've got to make sure that whatever you're doing OC is making and enabling your game IC, but without destroying, well, your uh, your OC budget and your IC time as well, because that's very valuable on these weekends. The I think the I think the final quick piece I'll say on the strategy side is do a little bit of a uh, air quotes, market research, if you're doing something niche. Uh, my examples here are all examples and ideas. The paid peak clock is uh, perhaps not as feasible <laughs> as, uh, as as on paper, but hey, I still think that'd be awesome. But something like cake and beer, you know is going to sell to an extent. But then again, if you're making lots of beer, can you sell it to a bar? Probably need to talk to the bar first and understand what they need and what they want before you commit to making 200 bottles same with cake and same with anything else and for that it's it's pretty hard to do because unless you attend an event and, and literally walk around which i would thoroughly recommend by the way uh all you've got is looking at facebook and discord and whilst people will help you and perhaps give you some hints and tips it's hard to get the complete picture so my advice would be before you embark on a large expensive and time consuming project just do a little bit of groundwork before you start just do a little bit of planning and see whether a it's worth it but b whether there's actually a need for it i'm done that's it those are ban shatter songs wise words on business ideas the fact that ban died a penniless bandit is nothing to do with this advice and i assure you it will bring you riches upon riches 
I guess the final thing I want to say is uh, perhaps some loose prices. Now, now in game, pricing is all about the value you're providing to the customer. If I'm selling you a health potion when you're bleeding out, it's going to cost a damn sight more than when you're healthy and sitting back at the camp. So prices will always change. But as a, I'm just going to try and give you a loose example of a few things. Uh, there's also a in-game publication called the Thrifty Squid that gives you the perceived, <laughs> the perceived value of resources on the field. So this isn't cake or beer. Uh, this is Crystal Manor, Orichalcum, Welt Silver, all of the in-game resources and how much they're going for that weekend. It's almost certainly a market manipulation exercise. Al almost certainly. If it wasn't, I would be astounded. But it's very cool and I'm damn glad they do it because it's great to pick up an article and someone's trying to charge you two crowns for a mana crystal and you can pull out your copy of the Thrifty Squid and say, no, damn it, it's only worth 35 rings. Give me my five ring change. But anyway, cakes, uh, little cakes, like your, your standard brownie size, let's say, or um, a moderate sized cookie. Not a Maryland, like a little one, but also not a gigantic I don't know what to say, like a, like you know, there's co-op cookies or Sainsbury's cookies that are quite large, the Taste of Difference ones, the delicious ones. Those are maybe 7 to 10 rings a piece, but your average cookie is about 5. Slice of cake is 5, shortbread finger, if it's decent sized, again, 5, if smaller, 3. Beer, ale, wine, so on and so forth, is typically 5 rings per flagon or cup or whatever drinking vessel you bring with you. I have an obnoxiously large tankard that no one ever fills up for five rings. They fill it halfway or they charge me 10. Uh, but recently beer has been going up as well. So sorry when I say beer, I'll, ale, mead, wine, whatever, uh, can go up to 10 rings. And of course, if you start getting fancy cocktails that have actual spirits in, uh, they can go up to, to crowns and, and multiples thereof. Uh, there is Uncle Regrezio's Bar of Regrets in the league. And you can go there for two things. Now, the first is relatively cheap alcohol. Now, there's an asterisk next to that, but we'll cover that in a second. And the second is a fascinating look into the family tree of Uncle Regrezio. Uh, I thought it was a gimmick, but it was actually detailed, accurate, and incredibly fun to listen to whilst sipping on my drink. To come back to the asterisk, um, Uncle Regrezio's... Well, you, you might regret <laughs> what you uh, what you get because you don't know what you're going to get. You pay, I think it's you know, five or ten rings per shot. It could be gin, it could be vodka, whiskey. It could be vinegar. It could be absinthe. It could be water. You don't know. It's the cheapest way to get drunk, the most hilarious way to get drunk, and perhaps the most disgusting way to get drunk, depending on how unlucky you are with the vinegar and other such sources. But yeah, uh would thoroughly recommend at least part of your bar crawl to stop at Uncle Regrezio's. And no, they have not sponsored this episode, I, I promise. Um, trinkets and beads and things like that. Uh, let's say a ring, a, a finger ring, uh, 10 rings. Uh, a bracelet, anywhere between five rings and a crown, depending on the material, beads, jewels, etc. Your artisan commissions is typically a crown per resource, plus at least a couple crowns for yourself for the effort. Uh, I think artisans do get shortchanged a lot because they, they work for free, because some magic items are very expensive. Let's take rune plate, you know, whatever it is, 35, 45 resources. Uh, that's a lot of money for a player anyway, let alone paying, I, I think a fair wage would be six crowns at the minimum considering the amount of time it takes for an artisan to go and find a seller for each resource, bring those all together, stand in queue at God, get it submitted, get the thing built, find you, the customer, at the next event. That's, that's a lot of legwork, a lot of walking around, and whilst it's fun and generates game, if we're talking IC here and paying for the value of things, try and get yourself at least five or six crowns because you will do a decent amount of legwork for the big items, uh, the big ticket items, and you deserve it. You're a good artisan. Um, snake oil, I mean, sell it for what you can get. <laughs> it's, it, it's snake oil. 
Um, I came up with the water idea on the spot. Um, I'm sure I've heard that somewhere else and I'm just plagiarizing it right now. But I genuinely think selling hydration potions outside the Sentinel Gate after skirmishes in the summer event would net you a serious amount of money. Or even just having a bucket, dunk your head in, uh, or you know, I will splash some water on you for five rings. That would, I think that would go down a treat. Messaging. Um, in Inside a nation, let's say from one side of the brass coast to the other, I, I would struggle to get more than five rings. I would, I would imagine because it's a, it's a fifty meter walk, um, at, and finding the person can be a little bit tricky. But if it doesn't take you outside the camp, let's say five rings. What you could say is, look, dear customer, it's five rings. If I don't find them in the camp, then hard luck. And I think a lot of players will take that for the five rings is pretty cheap. And the kind of people who need messages sent are, um, well, they're typically wealthy, or if not wealthy themselves, have access to rich friends or indeed deep pockets. If you're going internation, then I would. Ooh. I think a crown could sometimes be a decent price. Especially if you're going from Urizen to Wintermark, for example, because not only are you walking a physical, uh, a decent physical distance, but you've also got to find people in the camp you perhaps don't recognise. That is a lot harder. You'll take longer to find that person as a result, and your time is worth money. So I think charging a decent amount for important messages to get them delivered for guaranteed a crown. But if you're just going to have a pop and if you don't get it, you don't get it. Maybe 10 rings, for example. And this is where an experienced messenger could do very well. Because they know everyone who's important uh, by, by face. They know roughly where they are every at the time of the day. Uh, you could gather that information and make yourself a valuable messenger and charge a higher rate. But what you could also do is actually sell, <laughs> a bit like Facebook is, you could actually sell that location data to other messengers. And hey, you know... Expand your business, hire messengers, tell them where to go. You sit still. You have some kind of a, a parasol set up near uh, near the hub. People come to you with a message, you pass it to your messenger, tell them where they roughly need to go and send them off on their merry way and coin nine, well, keep 90% of the coin. You never know how it could end up. And as an example, I can imagine that, uh, imagine an experienced and effective messenger service making a lot of money. But yeah, five to five to twenty rings, I would say, is is, is fair enough. The cheap watches, uh, I pfft, difficult. Depends how much OC cash you're spending on them. Um, frankly, I would pay a throne for a decent watch. If I got, to, you know, of course, you, know, you sell a fizz rep to someone. The understanding is, in this trade, they would they would keep it and not return it at the end of the event, for example. But uh, yeah, like I'd pay a decent decent amount of money for a decent reliable watch the rentable chalkboard uh, a crown an hour could be really cool for marketing messaging um, for let's say half the board um, you could say look give me give me four thrones and I'll leave your message on it all weekend and you can take your four thrones skip off on your merry way and leave that sign up for somebody a rentable sign takes very little effort just gotta leave it somewhere and uh, you keep your cash Potions, uh, depends on the number of herbs. So again, it's typically a crown per herb. Truth of Vein is a bit cheaper at about 13 rings-ish. But, you know, at the gate, you might as well just charge. You know, if it, if it took, a uh, let's say, a couple of Truth of Vein, a couple of Blade Roots, and a Sez Mez, I would just charge five crowns for that. Because again, like the Artisan, you've got to put your time into going to God, Handing in the herbs and getting the potion back. Then also sorting out the fizz reps. And sitting at the gate waiting for a sale. Just make sure you're getting enough margin to make that uh, make that worthwhile. Not to mention the debt collection that might need to happen afterwards. If you're doing it on IOUs. Scribe servicing. Depends what you're comboing it with. But literal writing. Um, I think on a per message basis. You're talking... Uh, a factor of rings, maybe maybe up to a crown. But what you could offer 
is for an afternoon, perhaps, or a couple of hours, offer to be a senator's personal scribe. Write down what they say, write down responses, take actions, essentially meeting notes. I think you could get a decent price for that, like four crowns for a couple of hours work. Decent, fun, but most importantly, gets you involved in that, uh, the higher echelon of the political game. And if you want to go into that, awesome. Finally, finally, hard services like blacksmithing, leatherworking, etc. Up to you. Entirely up to you. Um, I think those are all, on a, they're standardised on a per case basis. <laughs> and um, make up what you want. Absolutely make it up. Charge for the nose. If you're pouring OC resources into some really beautiful items, do make sure you're getting value. Because the last thing you want to do is take your hobby monetize it and, and, ru and ruin it with some bad trades. Uh, that personally happened to me with, with Warhammer. I used to work at Games Workshop and run one of their stores in, um, in Kingston, in London. And I adored the hobby. And after a couple of years working there, it, it just killed it for me, unfortunately. Um, I'm, I'm back into it now, but it's taken five years to recover from that intensity. So whilst it's always fun to make your hobby into your dream job just just be careful about it because sometimes it can be a, a double-edged sword and the example i'm thinking of there in the larp sense is uh becoming a, a a commission leather crafter there's lots of very talented leather crafters out there who work on commissions and i'm sure they do great business or uh, decent enough to get by but it's very difficult to get into it's low volume larp is a niche hobby at least at the moment and uh, don't Put your hopes and dreams of being a leather crafter from day one. Uh, enjoy it as a hobby. If people pay it for it, if people pay for it and pay you for it, then great. Uh, but if not, don't don't try too hard. Enjoy yourself. That's me done. I hope you enjoyed this episode on some business ideas. If you've got any of your own, please do send them to me. Uh, I'd love to read about any kind of uh, money-making schemes that you have in Anvil that are working really well. Or indeed any dastardly crimes or scams. Because, once again dear listeners, fraud is not illegal.